Are you listening? Damn. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado, joined by always with our beat reporter, Jake Hedberg, down in Corvallis. Jake, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, a great last two weekends of basketball, baseball, and now a week away from spring practice, which I'm super excited super excited for. Can't wait to get started with that. It is, it is your busiest time of the year, I think, because we're kind yeah. of in. And since women's, women's basketball is doing so amazing right now, we are Jake's tacked that on to his list of to-dos too. So um, covering women's basketball, um, but it's it's a great time. But we're going to jump right in because we have a special guest waiting to join us. And so we want to get him in and out as quickly as possible. But we are super, super excited to welcome third baseman, freshman on the Oregon State baseball team, Trent Carraway um, from Dana Point, California, J. Sarah High School. And he is... I, super highly uh, touted recruit that ended up in Corvallis. Trent, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. We are good. We are so excited that you could join us. Uh, it's been a busy couple weeks for you that the season started. And like I said, you're a true freshman. Um, for went for, for went, I think that's how you said for went the uh, pro route to join Mitch Canham, coach Canham and the Oregon state baseball team. And what you guys have done in two weeks now with surprise in Arlington has been super impressive. You already have two home runs. Jake and I have the home run counter. Jake told me at the beginning of the season, you guys are going to be a hundred home run team this year. So uh, I'm holding him accountable, but two for you. Um, we are super excited to have you join us. I'll ask the first question. I just want to know what is it about Oregon state baseball that is so special? Um, I mean, I would just say like how hard we work. Um, I feel like everyone's just always trying to get extra work in even when we don't have practice going or anything, just going to the cage, you know, I feel like we just, we all get a lot of work in. So, I mean, we love doing it. It's really fun. Um, and just like how competitive we are. So those would probably be the reasons. Yeah. Uh, Trent, you know, going through the recruiting process, there were obviously a number of schools that were chasing you. What stood out about coach Canham, the Beavers? Um, I'll probably just say just Canham's uh, transparency. Um, I feel like whenever I could talk to him, like it wasn't even about, it didn't even have to be about baseball. It could be about anything. Um, just super easy to talk to. And that, that's with all the coaches. Um, that's probably like one of the main reasons why I was like, damn, Oregon State's awesome. Like I need to come here. The coaches fit my personality. Um, it's on the West Coast and we get a lot of fans. So, I mean, that makes it even better. So. Talk about, you know, now you've played two weekends in, in college. How different is playing at a, you know, major power five or a Pac-12 school? How is it different and how have you had to change your game from high school? Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like not, not a whole lot's changed for me. Um, just like with the summer ball circuit, playing a lot of high-level competition, I, I felt like pretty well prepared coming into this season. Um, so kind of just staying the course and doing what I usually do. So, yeah. Uh, Trent through eight games, you're batting four thirty-three, three doubles, two home runs. What's been the key to your offensive, offensive success so far? Um, I'll just say just flipping the switch. Um, good, good at bat or bad at bat. Just 
keep doing my thing and trust in how good of a player I am in the box, how well I can hit. So, I mean, honestly, just trust in the process. And, I mean, this fall, just all the work we've put in, um, just, I mean, sticking to my process. Because, I mean, we've been doing it since the fall. So just not, now it's just time to have fun and let it eat. So that, that's honestly what I would say. So you guys faced Hagen Smith on a Friday night, Arkansas pitcher. What? I mean, it looked like he was <clears throat> unreal. What What did you take away from from his? I mean, he did have a really good performance on the yeah. mound. Yeah, I mean, he, he was dialed. Um, he was, he was dialing his slider, dialing his fastball throwing everything with conviction. So, I mean, he was really good and he just, I mean, there's a lot of Arkansas fans there too. So he's probably building off that. Um, so he, he probably just had a lot of momentum going and he was feeling really good and just filling up the zone and he just had his night. So how, how does that, though, I mean, give you guys even more confidence heading in, not that you guys needed more confidence, but to, you know, number two versus number six, seven, you guys took them to the very end, even when they got a big lead, you guys didn't blink. Yeah. Does that just prepare you? I mean, to potentially meet up with them or, you know, down the road? Yeah, I mean, it just – I mean, I think it shows how much potential we have as a team. Um, that's that's a Friday night guy who's probably one of the best pitchers in the country, and he had his A game, and we kept it a one-run game. Um, and, of course, Aiden May did his thing too. Hopefully he's all, all good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a battle, and I think it goes to show, like, later on throughout the season when we, we run into a pitcher like that, we're going to be prepared even more. So. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, you know, through two games, you're seven and one. What's going right so far? Um, I mean, it's it's pretty nice when one through nine, everyone can impact the baseball for an base hit and score runs and steal bags, bunt. I mean, pretty much this lineup can do it all. So as long as we play pretty good defense and pitch pretty good, I think we're gonna be we're gonna be pretty good this year. So yeah. just gotta keep doing that. Beaver Nation is super excited. You mentioned already just how competitive you guys are. I, I know back in I – mean, I've covered this team for a long time. I coach, I was covering back when Coach Cannon played at Oregon State. Um, and they always – I mean, they, they competed in everything back in, you know, the 2007, 2008. It, it didn't matter whether it was ping pong or, you know, what do you guys do in the clubhouse? I mean, what are you guys competing in, like, day to day um, off the baseball field? Definitely ping pong. Um, okay. <laughs> it's usually either ping pong or – going to Tristan tree and soon seeing who can shoot the best. So, um, so who, okay. Who's the best golfer then on, on the squad? Uh, I'll probably say uh, Nelson Keljo. Okay. okay. Th- How about ping pong? Who's got ping pong dialed in? That's tough. There's a lot of good players. <laughs> um, probably Javen Trotsky. Okay. He's okay. pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, N- Nelson at golf is on. Un- uh, yeah. Trent, uh, What's your go-to Corvallis spot to get food? Um, probably have to say local boys. Just yes, sir. I mean, I'll just <laughs> bacon white rice, and it's it's pretty yeah. much athlete anyway. So I'll just great answer. Just run it there and get some good eats, and um, also like a taco vina. That's pretty good too. Solid so. choices. I mean, yeah. local boys was a spot when I was there, and I'm old, so you know that's 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 pretty solid. Okay, so. Goals. What what do you what are your own personal goals for this season? Um, I mean I definitely want to be like the national freshman of the year, um Pac twelve freshman of the year. Uh those are probably like my main goals. I mean, 
honestly, this year I'm just focused. I just want to win an Addy. Um, just with how good we are and just how much fun it is. Like, it's this is the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. So that's all, all I'm on mentally anyway. And I mean, the rest will take care of it. So, yeah. Sweet. Got anything, Jake? Nope. I have, I have one more. Um, and I, I told you, well, first of all, you enjoy surfing. I have two more. Have you been surfing on the Oregon coast yet? I have not. Okay. Uh, over the summer when I, I came up for the best program, like the incoming athlete program, uh-huh. we went over to the beach. Um, I mean, it was nice, it was a nice summer day. I just, just didn't get the chance to surf, but uh, the waves are kind of a little bit bigger here and a little more harsh. So there's some, there's, I, I grew up surfing Oregon. So there's some good spots. You need your five millimeter wetsuit though. So it's a little, little chilly over there. What, what spots? Um, gosh, you know, be, I'm beginner. I've never been very good. So, um, and I haven't done it in a long time, but Otter Rock is, is a good little spot. Right. Um, Pacific city. If you head up North a little bit, North of Lincoln city, there's some, that kind of runs the gamut. So you, if you're a better surfer, there's, there's some better waves yeah. um, further South on the beach, but, um, those are two pretty good spots. Yeah. Right. Where I grew up, I mostly just like longboard. So. Okay. Just, well there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's some good spots. Safari town's a great little surf shop if you need one in Lincoln city. And anyway, um, I do, I, I told you before we came on, my son, uh, plays baseball in the high school level. He's nowhere near, um, you know, collegiate level. He, he loves the sport though. What kinds of, um, advice would you give to a young, you know, a high, a high school or younger baseball player? Um, I mean, I would just, I would say pick out something or find something that drives you to like be good at what you want to do. Um, I mean, I think that was the turning point for me out of high school. Like I would say my first few years in high school, I wasn't, I mean, I was good, but I wasn't as good as I wanted to be. I started to learn like, Hey, I really want to do this really passionate about it. And then I was just relentless about it. Just always doing whatever I could do to get better. Um, and just finding, finding ways to have a chip on your shoulder. That's, some coach tells you something that's just you don't agree with and you, you want to be right. Um, so just, just using stuff like that to fire you up. That's probably what I would say. And then just let the rest of it take care of itself. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, and best of luck to you guys. Maybe we'll get you on later in the, in the season as, as things go on, but best of luck and, and keep this thing rolling. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. awesome. Thanks thank for you, coming Trent. on Trent. Okay, Jake, that was super fun. You guys, uh, Beaver fans on the in the chat, hopefully you guys were able to see that. Um, very fun to have um, a, a current baseball player kind of come on and, and talk to us about, about what they're doing. Um, Jake, let's just, before we dive into spring football that's coming up next week, let's talk baseball and, and your just your initial thoughts of the, the first two weekends with Surprise in Arlington. Yeah, offensively, um, I think this team has lived up to the hype, if not exceeded it. Um, they're at, what, 19 home runs through the first two weekends, which I don't think they've ever been at that pace. And, you know, like Trent said, one through nine, this lineup is loaded. You know, um, Tanner Smith, the guy that struggled last year at times, he's already got two home runs. He's hitting 270, 280. Um, really, everyone in this lineup – is consistently getting on base and driving in runs. And it's, it's been very promising to see. Um, I think the pitching as well has also looked better. Um, walks out of the bullpen have been a little bit uh, of an issue, but it's also week one, week two of the season. So we're just getting started. Hopefully that can kind of clean up as the season progresses. 
Um, and I think, and the coaches are still trying, kind of, you know, yeah. testing guys out too. So. Yeah, like you know, Oregon State's pitched. I want to say sixteen guys. They're not going to pitch sixteen guys in a three-game series. They'll pitch yeah. at most probably ten or eleven. So um, I feel like you'll definitely start to see the bullpen get um, trimmed down. But uh, I think the starting pitching has been improved. Um, I've really liked what I've seen from Aiden May. Um, did pretty well against Arkansas. That's a top two team in the country, very talented offense. And he, he did a pretty dang good job. Um, hopefully he's healthy, not really expecting him to pitch over the next two weeks, just cause aren't really going to need him against North Dakota state and uh, Cal state. So better for him to get rest. Jacob Kamatz really impressed me uh, against Michigan, a career high 10 strikeouts. He was yeah. dealing. That was the best, best game I've, I've seen him pitch in his three years at Oregon state. Uh, Jaron Hunter's been consistent as always. Uh, he'll probably start on Thursday against North Dakota State. And then I've been really impressed by true freshman Eric Higuera. He's done a great job. Um, gave up a run in the first inning against Oklahoma State. Didn't let it rattle him. He bounced back, pitched a fantastic game. I, really yeah, his excited. maturity, his maturity. Yeah. I, I, you know, watching him bounce back from that, it, it was hard to believe that he wasn't. He was just mm -hmm. a true freshman. Yeah, I mean, you really don't see a lot of true freshmen be day one starters at Oregon yeah. State. I mean, Kamats, yeah, but outside of him in the last five years. And the Kamats thing was really only because of injuries. He probably would have been a midweek guy or the first guy out of the pen as a freshman if it wasn't for guys uh, getting banged up. But I've been very impressed by um, all of the pitching staff. I thought Coach Dorman's done a good job. You know, Team ERA's uh, in the low twos, which through two weeks is fantastic. Definitely up there with the top in the country. Um, super excited for this next two week stretch before conference play gets going. Yeah, it, I, I just pulled up the stats, and so first of all, hat tip to Travis Bazana who leads the team with five home runs. So, yeah, not that that's like shocking to any Beaver fan, but um, yeah, that he, this roster, and and I I said it to to Trent before we went on when the three of us were kind of behind the before we went live, and I have not seen a team, an Oregon State team, from top to bottom one through nine that is this strong of, of hitters and i also love how they can keep people off, off balance i mean yes they're all power hitters and especially travis bazana he's a total power hitter and then you see him bunt for a single just because yeah. nobody's expecting it so the the depth of this team but i'm looking here they have but i had it counted the top six batter or we have six batters that are over 400 yeah. right now um, that that's insane. And granted, like especially, especially when you consider the okay. competition of the teams Oregon State's played, that yeah. too just makes it even more crazy. I mean, two yeah. or a, a top ten, a top five team, and then two pretty good Power Five programs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they started off surprise a little weaker, um, but yeah, this weekend in Arlington, that was um, pretty impressive. And I, like I said, I yeah. loved watching them battle with Arkansas. You know, they, it was like a home game for Arkansas. I heard that there were. 13,000, um, yeah, yeah like 13,000 fans. And, and so for, for some reason, Jake, I don't know why they just seem to hate Oregon State. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, watching that game, it felt like a Omaha. It, it felt like an game. Omaha was, game. Yeah. It was probably the most invested in a regular season Beaver baseball game that I've been in in a very long time. Like I was on the edge of my seat the whole three and a half hours, like every yeah. pitch walked in. It, it was it was the most fun I've had and the most emotions that have been going through my body watching a baseball game and in quite some time. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. I mean, that's, 
it was a beautiful day and, and Eric had the day off and we went over to the beach for, and, but it was, I kept saying, we've got to, we've got to hustle home because we got to watch the Beaver game. So um, <laughs> super fun to watch. Like I said, my son, the sophomore is loving every minute of it. I, I don't know if you saw my tweet yesterday, but seriously, we get this little securely every week. And it talks about like his top searches for the week before on internet. And his top two searches was Texas tech baseball and Arkansas baseball. I'm like, dude, come on. This is your, you know, school stuff going on. But um, no, it, it's been fun and uh, a full season. Let's switch. Anything else baseball related? North Dakota uh, State no, this weekend. Great start. Uh, four game series lined up Thursday through Sunday. Uh, hopefully the weather clears up. Looking a little iffy at the moment, but should be a great series. I'm sure Goss is probably going to be rocking. Excited to check did it out. Did it snow at all yesterday? Did you guys have chunky rain? Snow it did yesterday? not. I. It hailed. Okay. It was super sunny, and then it was hailing, and then it was sunny again, and then it was stormy. It was their yeah. typical spring Corvallis day. So yeah, it, we got some snow yesterday, or snow in the rain yesterday. So really? that was a little shocking. Yeah. Um, and then let, let's switch gears. Then let's talk a little basketball. Men's yeah. basketball had some struggles on the road, but then yes. they came back and beat Stanford. We're gonna keep this pretty short because <laughs> I, I was always raised: if you can't say anything nice, you don't say anything at all. And I don't have a lot of good, Jake. What do you, what do you got for men's basketball? Yeah, you know the road struggles have been very well documented. Uh, it was good to go out there and get a win. Um, I was doing some like research in in my time at Oregon State. I've been here for almost three years now. Oregon State's won two games away from Gill, which is kind of crazy to me that in three years, it, it, it um, very interesting. Um, I've been very impressed by the sophomore class between Tyler. Tyler Pillado, Michael Tyler, and obviously Jordan Pope. Those three have been Oregon State's three best players um, down the stretch of the of the last two or three weeks. And getting those guys back for another season would be huge. I feel like they've got a core nucleus. They they're a solid big man away. You know, Troll Mariel's serviceable, but he's not really strong enough or He's had flashes, but yeah, he's had flashes, it, but yeah. he's never been consistent. And like, he's just too small in terms of weight wise and strength. Yeah. Whereas Casey Abekwe, he's still trying to trim down some weight. He's still being outmatched by, you know, these, these more experienced and defined posts like Infali Dante or, you know, Adem Bahona. Um, the potential is there. Kind of frustrating player to watch it sometimes. But when Casey is on, he's, he really does show ability. So hopefully a year with Casey uh, training, uh, you know, in the off season program, Casey can trim down some weight, get in better shape and really step up and be Oregon state's big guy in 2024 or 2024, 25. And then I think the last thing they're really missing is a complimentary shooter next to Jordan Pope. Cause Pope can't really do it all by himself in terms of shooting the ball. Um, you know, a player like Jared Lucas, almost just a catch and shoot yeah. guy or a Zach Reichel. Um, I feel like a player like that would pair very nicely with Jordan Pope. And if Oregon State goes out and addresses those in the portals and who knows what 24, 25 can bring. Um, excited to watch the Civil War on, on Wednesday. It should be a good one, as always. And then back back home in the first week of March to close out the season. Yeah, it's um, it's this month has flown. Jan- yeah. January seemed to drag, but February is February. February's flying. Um, 
and then we have yeah NFL Combine too this weekend. So yeah, it starts on um, Thursday. Yeah, some some big stuff. So let's let's talk a little women's basketball. We typically don't touch yeah. on that um, on the damn podcast, but they've been so exciting, and and I do yeah. think they deserve deserve some airtime. Um, I am not. I, I I just with time and everything else, I don't watch a lot of women's basketball. But I will tell you that I watched that UCLA game. Yeah, that was very fun to watch. That game was bonkers i mean my son even came down he was upstairs he came down the the one that still like that likes baseball and he's a huge beaver fan he came down and it was um just a fun game um they to watch you know what went down um i'm looking at their schedule now they tough matchup on thursday yeah so thursday they have stanford and cal are the the final two games before the pac-12 tournament both in corvallis Mm -hmm. um some big games there what pac-12 women's basketball is just stacked yeah, very bottom. competitive. I mean, I feel like you have six teams in the conference that are legitimate Sweet 16 caliber teams. Um, yeah. It's probably the deepest conference for college basketball in the country. So Reagan Beers, I think, is still, from what I'm hearing, questionable. Yeah. Has a broken Game nose time. with her. Yeah. And I th- I mean, um, concussion protocol. Reagan Beers is going to be huge on Thursday. If Oregon State gets her, that's a, that's a huge b- b- bonus because Stanford has two of the best bigs in the, yeah. in the Pac-12, you know, um Cameron Brink's a great player. She's from uh Mountainside, a local product, and she's gonna be a top five, top ten draft pick. She's a stud. Um, so getting Reagan back to be able to take Cameron Brink out of the game offensively, that'd be a huge boost. Um, and then Oregon State needs another score to step up without Reagan. I mean, without Reagan, there's been Talia Hano Hofflin and then Tamia Gardner scoring the ball, but Oregon State needs a third option to step up consistently. There's been players that have shown flashes like, you know, Hansford and Dominica Peruva, but a, a, a consistent third option needs to step up if Reagan cannot play on Thursday. Yeah, hopefully they can get her back. So, um, like I said, I I um, saw pre-Washington game, um, one of the Washington coaches came over to say something to Scott Ruick, and you could read the mouth, and he said, mask. Um, so I expect her to be back when she is back yeah. with a face mask. Um, hopefully and I said Thursday. I, yeah, hopefully Thursday, because that would be a, a big boost um, for the Beavs. Um, okay, so we're going to take a quick break for the podcast side, and then we're going to dive in and talk some football, because spring practice starts a week from today. Uh, the roster has not been updated, so... Jake, you're gonna have to like cram those numbers before before next Tuesday, but don't worry, you gotta be ready to go. (laughs) So um, we'll be back in a second. But this is a great time to remind everyone: if you are not a member of Beaver Blitz, now is a great time to join. Not only will Jake and I be your eyes and ears for the next two months down in Corvallis for uh, football spring practice, you also have baseball coverage with JP's weekly walk off and Jake's in game coverage. Join BeaverBlitz.com for all the latest. Okay, welcome back uh, to the damn podcast. We are going to talk football now. And uh, I know that's it's kind of what we talk about year round, but um, spring practice is a week away. We are taping this or going live on February 27th. Spring camp starts March 5th. Next Tuesday, Jake and I are ready to go. Jake just told me he registered for spring term classes. By golly, he's cleared the days for spring practice. <laughs> 
ready to go. And uh, I'll be coming down as well. It's going to be, you know, I, I've said it before, spring practice, fall camp is my favorite time of the year. Spring is maybe my least, but I'm excited this year because I think there's so much, so many storylines and so much newness to see, even just down to how the, the coaches are going to run practice. And, and we, last time we, uh, two weeks ago, when we had Trent Bray on um, the podcast, we asked him about, you know, what his philosophy was. And, and he talked about, they were going to go live. I mean, they wanted to go live as much as possible um, just because there's so much that can be gleaned from, from actually playing actual snaps. So it's going to look different. Um, the personnel is going to look different. Um, the pace, everything. I mean, there's going to be some similarities, but there's going to be some differences as well. Let's just kind of do a, a quick rundown. We've, we've just at Beaver Blitz, we've ran down the top 25 players from the 23 season. Um, it culminated today with Tali Huaga as the number one. There, that top five was was tough, and it was it could have been a little contentious. Yeah. And you had Joshua Gray, had Katana Ladapo, Tanner, um, Tanner Miller, and Damian Martinez, and Masquerade. Yeah. yeah, there was a whole kind yeah. of a, a clump there. Was was Tali your number one? Yeah, yeah. Tali was, in my opinion, Tali was the best offensive lineman in Oregon State history, which. Maybe kind of a bold statement, but if you watch the tape, look at the stats, he, I mean, he didn't allow a, a sack in a single game he started at Oregon State. That's so crazy. That, he played a lot of football is, here. Yeah, he, he, didn't he allow played a, single, a lot. A single sack as a starter, which is mind-boggling. He's, uh, PFF had him as the top run-blocking offensive lineman in the country, and he's, he's shooting up draft boards. I mean, with the good combine showing this next week, I think you might see him in the top ten which Oregon State hasn't had a top 10 draft pick since Terry Baker in 1963. Oh. Wow, look at you. Yeah. Dropping the years. stats. 61 years. Because Brandon, years. was Brandon Cook's? 24th pick, 23rd 24. pick. He was in the 20s. Okay. And then was he the highest? Since Isaac? Baker? I don't know if he was the – no, because – I'm going to stump Jake right now. Sam Ali was a third-round pick. Okay, yeah, I was going to say. He was okay, Sam Ali was third-round. Okay. Interesting. Okay. In my so lifetime, this, there's only been two Oregon State first round picks. That's or one. It's been Cooks. Cooks, yeah. And the that two, was, the second, Tolly will be a first round pick, but just a matter of how high. Which I think he could be. You think top ten? I think he could be as high as five to the Chargers with a really good combine. But I think okay. the more, well, the more likely spots probably the Jets at ten. Um, but I've also seen Cincinnati down like 17, 18. 17, 18, Yeah, I don't think he makes it that far. To be honest, I've seen rumblings of the 49ers trading up uh into the uh, like 10 to 15 range to pick up Tolly, which i mean as a seahawk fan i would hate but i would love that for Tolly because that's a hell of an organization to get picked up by so have you with with the combine um how how do you think oregon state's guys are going to to compete i mean you have deshaun yeah. anthony gould it's a uh, it's ryan cooper katan anthony gould and Tolly. Tolly, okay um, you know, I haven't really done a lot of a deep dive into it yet. I haven't either yet. I'm going to be watching the combine a lot. Uh, always love watching. I, I think Ryan Cooper and Anthony Gould have the most to gain. Yes, I, I think Gould in particular. Yeah, Gould. He had a great senior day. Game, time, senior game. Yeah, his forty time is going to turn some heads. I think. I think. I think he could run a sub four three, um, which doesn't really happen a lot. And I think, I mean, in today's NFL, if you look at the top outs speed kills yeah. and Gould's uh, you know he's kind of a Swiss army knife there's lots of things Gould can do he can return kicks he showed that um throughout his time to Oregon State and in the, the Shrine Bowl you know he had 
two punts uh, taken back for touchdowns in 2022. Barely got the ball kicked to him in 2023. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Katon, I feel like, he's kind of a tweener. You know, he's a little yeah. bit of a bigger safety. I wouldn't be shocked if they bulk him up and play inside backer. See, that's um, what I've been seeing backer yeah. for him. Interesting to see how he tests because, you know, for a safety, he wouldn't be the fastest. But if he does, you know, transition over to linebacker, he'd be faster for a linebacker. Um, Cooper, you know, I think testing is going to be huge for him. He's shown uh, he's shown some big play ability, but the physical um, testing is always a big a big um, a big part of it. And then Tolly, I'm excited to watch Tolly do the bench press. Um, don't know if he'll push Stephen Pia's record, but I'm expecting some numbers because he's a big man. Stephen Pia's that was that was nuts at yeah. his pro day. I've never seen anything 49. like it. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Forty nine reps during the combine. Anthony Gould, I think, with the, with that Shrine game, with that return, yeah. I think he showed. I think he answered he was, a lot of doubters mm-hmm. in that for his size, how strong he was his, to break tackles and, and that spin move and everything else mm-hmm. that he did. And I mean, Gould's a tough son of a gun too. Like he's yeah. he's one of the tougher players on the Oregon State uh, squad in twenty twenty three. And he, I mean, I've seen PFF didn't really have him on a draft board, but I checked few weeks ago and he was up to 182 uh which i think was a fifth or sixth round draft pick overall so for 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 anthony to make that jump after the uh the shrine the, the shrine game just kind of intrigues me to what he could jump up to with a good combine and i i think he's going to test really well so excited to see that i i, I think he might have been the best pure athlete on oregon state's team um last year in terms of speed agility um, you know, jumping and all that. So excited to excited to check out the combine this weekend. Yeah, those guys, Anthony and, and Silas, they were. Yeah, they would like to, to battle in that. Yeah, both explosive. Okay, let's let's talk about um this the spring practice starting next week. Um, I know you're going to be working on some previews, position previews, but let's let's just talk. It's going to look a little different. I think the only the, the group that's going to look the most, I think, the same is going to be running backs. Obviously, yeah, that, that'll look for the most part. But let's let's talk. End. Yeah, tight end. Let's talk line. Let's just start with the offensive line. Joshua Gray comes back. He will not be participating in uh, camp, however, um, as he deals with um, healing from a postseason surgery for a broken foot. And if you hadn't heard, he had played the entire season with a broken foot. So um, talk about another tough son of a gun. That's uh, pretty impressive. Let's let's talk about that O line. How do you see that shaking out early? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see some of the younger guys. Um, Jacob Strand, Luka Vincic, um, Dil Lopez, guys that have sat behind some really talented offensive linemen. Now they're going to get their time to shine, especially with Josh Gray out. I mean, if you look at it, Grant Stark's really the only returner. Uh, Tyler Morano as well has seen some action. And then, so there's going to be some spots. You know, Strand will get some action at tackle. Vincic at guard, especially um, with Josh out and then Lopez will push Han Wells for the center spot and he'll get some action at guard as well. Um, Van Wells, I'm excited to see him, the Colorado transfer. He, um, his pass blocking grade was actually 10% higher than Jake Levin's good. Jake Levin really? was in okay. 2023, which a lot of people watching the Colorado offensive line, you know, it was kind of, Oh, they're, terrible but van wells wasn't the reason for that he was very very good um excited to see that excited to see how coach devan does you know i haven't seen him coach before 
Um, it's going to be a relatively inexperienced offensive line during the spring uh, with Josh out and Tank Lichtenhand is not on campus until spring quarter. So the first few weeks he will not be participating. So there's going to be um, tons of younger faces that we've seen practice with this, you know, with the twos and threes, but haven't really seen at the, uh, at the, at the, the starting level yet. Which I think is super, I mean, it's so important because those guys need that time. They need that, those reps. Yeah. And it just helps, helps build depth. Now mm-hmm. we've heard Josh Gray moving inside to, to guard and, you know, NFL teams actually like him as a center. So um, yeah. who do you see then at the, at the left tackle spot? You know, I think there's a handful of guys. Um, I kind of see three guys battling for the two tackle spots right now. Um, Jacob Strand's probably the front runner, sophomore from Camby, Oregon. Tyler Moreno, a junior from California. And then Gerard Christian Lichtenhand, the transfer from Colorado. Huge, huge guys, 6'10", 320. Um, he, again, won't be here till um, the spring April. quarter starts. And another thing I think you could possibly see potentially if the coaching staff likes how, you know, Vincic or Lopez is doing at a guard spot, I think you could see Grant Stark get kicked out to one of the tackle spots because he played tackle at Nevada. Um, he's done it at a high level there, was an all-conference performer. So that's always a possibility as well. So, Yeah, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see a, a, a new coach too with, with Kyle DeVan yeah. coming in there. Um, some just anecdotes for you. I, I've heard from some recruits um, that they love Coach. Yeah, Dan. all just the that laid back. I've talked yeah. to they love him. So um, that that bodes well. But I'm excited to see how you know how his. I, I think he's going to be a mix. I mean, he obviously learned from Coach Kavanaugh, who could be pretty fiery, but so could so could Coach Malajek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, O line coaches have some of the most colorful language Interesting of all coaches. Yes, but colorful language. And somehow they can make swearing sound almost poetic. It's it's crazy <laughs> how they can do it. Um, okay, let's move then to tight end because it's going to be pretty similar to what we saw. Any any changes there? Yeah, no, I mean, Jack Velling's gone. Riley Sharp's gone. But outside of that, this is the same tight end room. Um, yet to make an uh, addition. Um, maybe you see Oregon State pursue a, uh, a transfer tight end in the second portal opening or uh, – add another Juco kid, but um, I'm excited to see Jermaine Terry kind of step up into whatever pass catching role. We saw him more of in the Tegan Katoriano blocking mold in 2024 or 2023. And I'm also excited to see how coach Gunderson utilizes the tight ends, you know, coach Lindgren, coach Smith, they were more of a 12 personnel with one back and two tight ends. I'm, I'm expecting more of a shift to an 11 personnel with one tight end instead so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that looks the first couple of days of fall camp or of spring camp. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna look different for sure. Um, running backs we've already talked about. Let's Rock talk solid. receivers. Receivers. Yeah, offensively, this might be the group I'm most excited to watch. Um, a bunch of new faces: Darius Clemens, Jordan Anderson. Those two are on campus, and then Malachi Durant and Eddie Freeoff are joining in the summer, but. One thing that stands out to me is the size of this group. They're big. Darius Clemens, 6'3", 215. Jimmy Valson, 6'2", uh, 200. Jeremiah Nogas, 6'3", a buck 90. Trent Walker is a 6'2", kid. There's a ton of taller guys who haven't really played a lot, but they've looked good in the uh, the experience that they have had. I mean, Jimmy Valson, I thought he had a breakout game against 
Arizona over Halloween weekend. He did a pretty good um, Sun Bowl as well. Jeremiah Noga showed some flashes as well. Trent Walker. Excited to see the development of the four uh, the four freshmen from last year between Zach Card, Taz Reddicks, David Wells, and Honshaw Hatton. I think all four of those guys are potential impact contributors. And then uh, Clemens and Anderson. Those two, both former four-star recruits, high-level players who could – I mean, Clemens, I think, is going to be a day one starter. And Jordan Anderson, he's he's going to push for some serious playing time as a true freshman. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see Clemens as well, just because he comes pretty polished um, yeah, I mean, and, ready, and ready to go. He's the biggest receiver Oregon State's had since Hodgins. Um, yeah. And they've severely lacked a, a taller, bigger body, stronger guy since Isaiah well, – uh, since 2019, Isaiah's last year. Yeah, there really hasn't been any real um, you yeah. know, size possession. I mean, Trayson Harrison's been the tallest receiver, and he's a six foot, maybe five yeah. eleven, yeah. a generous six foot. So it's gonna, it's like I said, it's gonna look different. Quarterback, yeah. I think, is where a lot of fans' eyes are gonna be. Yeah, um, that room's gonna look different. Ben Golbranson, Travis Stockmorton are still still on campus, um, but then you bring in the newcomers um, with Javani McCoy and Jabari Johnson. Um, what do you, I personally, I'm expecting to see McCoy as, as yeah. day one starter. Um, but that's forward looking very far. What do you, what do you expect to see from these guys in like first two weeks, the first, the March part of spring camp? Yeah. I mean, I'm expecting all three of those guys between Johnson, McCoy and Gobranson to get equal reps. Um, just allow coach Gundy to kind of see what he's got going on, how they're, adjusting to the new system. Um, I think while Jabari Johnson might be the most talented, I think Giovanni McCoy is probably the most proven uh, out of those two transfers. And then, I, I mean, don't count out Ben Branson. He, yeah, he didn't have a great Sun Bowl, but if you look at his, the guys around him, he was kind of, it was kind of a hodgepodge of Oregon State's second and third team with a few stars sprinkled in. And, he, he didn't look terrible in the fall. He certainly looked improved from the, the 2022 year. So don't count out Branson, but I'm expecting to see a pretty balanced uh, rep rep distribution between those three guys the first couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, I think going back to that symbol, I don't think you can take anything because that was yeah, I mean, um, a hodgepodge yeah. of coaches and a hodgepodge of players. Yeah, I mean, I'm not taking anything negative out of the Sun Bowl. Yeah. I'm only... I'm only taking away the positives like, you know, Jimmy Vallison had a good day and then Chisholm and Jordan re- really stood out to me and that, and, and that was about it. But yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, so then moving over to the defensive side of the ball, D line, are you excited about this group? Yeah. You know, this is the group I'm most intrigued on the whole roster to see, cause it's all new faces for the most part. I mean, your most experienced returners, Samisi Saluni, who has, I want to say, under 15 career tackles. And then Quincy Wright's back, who you played a little bit last year. He was a pretty highly sought-after kid. Thomas Collins and Kelsey Howard are also back, two talented redshirt freshmen. Um, JoJo Johnson as well. I'm excited, I'm excited to watch the two transfers, Taiji Hill and Tavita Poamea. Um, you know, I think these are guys that could be Oregon State's two starters. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the rotation kind of shapes up just because they're all very inexperienced and they haven't really played a lot. And it's a new, it's a new coach for all of them. It's a new front. It could be a new system up front. So really excited to see 
the physical the physical presence that this group brings. Yeah. So I'm just looking. I just pulled up the stats from 2023, and the losses on the defense is it's, staggering. Because um, our second highest tackler coming back, Jordan with 22, or it's either Jordan or Kane. Um. Well, right. Uh, Jade, sec- Robinson's or, Jade Robinson is our top returning defensive player with um, 33. 33 total tackles. And then uh, Jordan had 22, right? And then Jack Connie. Oh, it was Connie at two. Okay. He had 23 tackles because and we. Then Jordan. Um, and then Melvin Jordan. Yeah. And he was at 22. So, yeah. um, but Melvin Jordan also had four tackles for loss. Yeah. Because there's just, you look at that across the board and it, it's, it's, yeah, it's staggering I mean, when you look at the losses. I mean, um, 10 starters are gone, plus our top reserve defensive linemen and Hodgins. Yeah. And then outside linebackers, Chatfield wasn't considered a starter. Stover wasn't considered a starter. Um, two high-level impact guys also gone. It's it's going to be a very new-look Oregon State defense. It's going to be a mix of returning faces, younger guys, and then transfers like up front with Hill, Poemea, and then in the back end with guys like Kobe Singleton, it'll be it'll be very yeah. in, very interesting to see how the depth chart kind of shakes out over the first two three weeks of spring. Yeah, camp. because I mean, as you said, so the defensive front's going to look completely different. As I have is no clue who's going to start linebackers. So linebackers, I'm excited about the inside backers. Yeah, yeah. Melvin Jordan, Jordan, and I've heard Chisholm. I've heard some good things about Aiden Sullivan and Jairus Goodman. I mean, I was told okay. by a player on the team. Don't be shocked if one or both of those guys end up starting. Um, okay. So it's not a foregone conclusion that um, that Jordan or Chisholm start. Um, okay. Look for Sullivan and Goodman to push them. I, I don't remember which one it was, but one of them had crazy tackle or loss numbers. I want to say they had 35 in their two seasons uh, at a junior college level. Very aggressive, uh, run-stopping defenders. Excited to see those two pair with Chisholm and Jordan. And outside linebacker is another – spot where it's going to be new faces. I mean, John McCartan's gone. Corey Stover's gone. Sione's gone. Um, Chatfield's gone as well. So Takari Hickel's back. We've seen a little bit of him. Your I think favorite player? My favorite player on the roster. I think he's going to have a huge year. Um, and then outside of that, you know, DJ Westlock, the Missouri transfer, he could be a guy that breaks out. Uh, very highly sought after kid. And then a couple transfer returners, when Nico Taylor and Oluomatoshu, um, they, they showed pass rushing ability in the fall camp of 23, but we're stuck behind more experienced and stronger players. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they've taken a jump from year one to two yeah. uh, in Trent Bray's system. So excited to see how that shapes out. Yeah, it's, like I said, that whole group is, is going to look different. I mean, the whole defense except for one spot and Jaden Robinson returns. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be, I guess that's, that's the bright spot of the defense right there. Um, and building that around, around Jaden. You mentioned a couple of the, the new guys coming in on the secondary, any young guys that were currently on the roster that you were thinking could make that next step up. I'm, I'm excited to see Noble Thomas's game. You know, he's, he missed a lot of fall camp was doing He tore his hamstring, um, came back for the Utah game and started, and he played very well. Uh, got injured again, was never really fully healthy, but he, he still started five games, and he had a really good redshirt freshman year. I think if if Noble 
can stay healthy, then he could have a huge 2024. He's a Florida kid, which um, the previous coaching staff loved going after the Florida DBs, and I think he could take that next step. Um, Andre Jordan's another one. He might not necessarily start because he's going to be behind um, Jaden Robinson and Kobe Singleton at corner, but he's he showed some flashes. I mean, as a true freshman, he was hanging – I mean, he was battling against Roma Dunze and Troy Franklin, two of the best cutouts in the country, and he he held his own. So excited to see him. Um, a, a guy I'm excited to watch, a newcomer, Jaheim Patterson. He's a, um, a safety transfer from Kilgore Junior College. He's like 6'4", 6'5", and you don't see a lot of safeties that tall. Um, kind of like a, a skinny Cam Chancellor type build almost. Um, excited to see what – he'll bring um, to the table in what's really going to be a wide-open safety room. I mean, Skylar Thomas is coming off a season-ending injury. Tyrese Ivey's transitioned to safety, but he's also coming off a season-ending injury. Um, Jack Connor is experienced. Alton Julian, yeah, who knows? It'll be uh, tons Skylar of Skylar Thomas, when, did he, when was his ACL? Spring. spring okay, so he, so he actually could be using his way back in. I think I read on – I think I read from on a Nick Dashell article that he's going to be limited. Okay. And then um, we had a comment. Um, Byron That's Brown good. asked, who was the kid that blew up his knee during the beginning of the season? That was Micaiah Tongue. Um, he won't be ready to go. He will not be um, playing in 2024, um, which was expected. Uh, yeah. It wasn't a setback in his recovery. It was just such a devastating injury that it is. it, it will take a year and a half to yeah. recover from. Um, hopefully we will see him back spring ball of 2025 because he needed two surgeries Yeah, because I mean, he tore his ACL, ACL. He tore, tore everything. MCL, I LCL, yeah. and then his patella tendon, I yeah. believe. Or his, it, no, it was, 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 oh, it was his meniscus as well. That's meniscus. Yeah. So I know he had surgery to correct everything kind of up front. And then the ACL was a his little later. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, and if you don't follow him on YouTube, make sure you follow him because he's mm -hmm. putting together some really good content, um, kind of the day in the life and, and following his recovery. So, um, Joel Halladez as well. Yes, he, he has Joel some good Valdez stuff as well. Volunteer. So, um, and kicker, what what are you thinking? Is is Josh Green just had another hip surgery? Yes. He, so Josh Green is back. It sounds like um, he won't be punting though until what fall? Punting, He'll be ready for fall. fall. Yep. So the punting is going to be AJ Winster and. Max Walker, a Walker's a sophomore from Washington, and Winters, a redshirt freshman from Washington, who handled the punting in the Sun Bowl. And I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, but J Josh Green is expected to be back in the fall. Great Kicking news. Everett Hayes is the only kicker on the roster. Walker will also dabble in at kicker, and he'll probably end up being uh, the backup to Hayes unless Oregon State adds a freshman that's just a full-time kicker. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, we have some questions um, in the in the chat live, and then we have some Beaver Blitz um, damn questions here. Um, I, I want to see Nathan Kerr um, wanted to know if they confirmed new uniforms or is it just rumor? Um, players then, have confirmed. Players have confirmed. Okay, and then Digital Dam, he's begging Oregon State to unveil the new uniforms during spring game. That would be I mean, it's a possibility. Fun. That's what they did in twenty nine. Was it? Yeah, in twenty nineteen. Yeah, twenty nineteen. So. Yeah, um, interesting to see. I've heard some – I don't really know for sure what's going on, but I've heard the potential of a gray jersey. Um, okay. 
a white helmet. Who knows? Just kind of there's okay. lots of things flying around. So I'm not really taking anything for a fact, but. Okay, so a couple questions um, from the lodge and Rio Alci. There's been a, a couple recruiting questions. Any word from the coaches on how being a G5 team has affected team recruiting? Um, I don't believe we're G5 yet. So um, actually, recruiting is better. Yeah, I, would I mean, say now than it was. If you look at the caliber of recruits Oregon State's getting on campus, it's the fall off has not been there. I mean, if you look at it. Oregon State has one official visit scheduled already. Yeah, a, a four-star linebacker. Four-star middle linebacker. Yeah. Who, who, who's down? Who, his official visits right now are Arizona it's, um, State. It's Mark. I hang. I hang. Mike. Mark. I honknor is how you said. I, I think. Honknor. Okay. Um, he's out of Harbor City, Narbonne. Um, so Jamar he has official. Yeah, that's where Jamar Jefferson went. He has official visits set for ASU. SMU, Oregon State, and Washington. Yeah. So, um, and then you look at the other guys, um, local guy, I mean, Baron Naone. Um, in the mix. Zach Stokuski, yeah. Jake Normoyle. It's a handful of guys as well. Um, and even 2026. Um, I'm hearing some pretty good things about 2026, Sinoa. the top player in, in Oregon, Ansu Sano. Um, so, Oregon State is, I, I would actually say the recruiting is, is, stronger than it's been yeah. i mean i i think we should also see it start to pick up it's been a little quiet just because we've been in a dead period but that's ending in the next week or so and uh, i think march 9th is the first day recruits can come and there's already a good chunk of players coming on campus uh julian mac mahone is a three-star running back he's one of oregon state's top targets he will be in corvallis the 15th of March, I believe. Um, so there's there's still talented players coming to Corvallis and Beef Kingdom uh, asked about Darius off of lava. Um, I mean that, that kid's getting blown up. Um, yeah, I I know he's scheduled two officials Tennessee. so far. Tennessee yeah. and Utah. I think um, Washington as well. So he has two more. Um, so, I wouldn't count um, Oregon State out of that. No. Absolutely not. I, I mean, if you Devan played with Al Avalava, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And and Trent he actually year too i think trent did too and he it was a he actually was visited um by oregon state staff um yeah a couple weeks ago or Eliza before the dead period Eliza Tuyaki right? was there yeah. and uh he he tweeted that out and you know yeah i mean i i think this staff is built to recruit better than the prior staff if you look at you know aj cooper has already got one linebacker committed and he has a four-star coming on campus in a couple months and you got Keith Hayward who just having him, he's such a good recruiter. I think that will transform or transform Oregon state's defensive recruiting efforts. And then offensively Thomas Ford. I mean, he's the guy. He might be the best recruiter on staff. On Ansu's Ansu's Hano. And that's looking very promising at the moment. Um, you know, Kyle Devans, all the kids are doing. I, I mean, they, they love Kyle Devan. I think he's going to emerge as, Oregon State's second best offensive recruiter. So um, promising signs. Uh, excited to see what this staff can do given a whole year to recruit rather than just really a month. I mean, they signed what? One high school kid that wasn't already committed after the February, uh, after the, after December. December signing day. So a, a full year will um, 
proved to be beneficial, I think. We had a comment here, Berto01. This is not a great time. A lot of us are working. Yes, Berto, but when you have a baseball player by the name of Trent Haraway who can join us at one o'clock, we need gotta to do capitalize. that. Yeah, we got to capitalize on what works for the for the student athlete. So um, it is it will be available via YouTube, and you can watch it later or listen and on Spotify and, well. and Spotify as well. But it's a, it's a it's a happy balance. If it's just Jake and I, we can go kind of whenever. But when we have student athletes that are able to join us or coaches, we need to uh, work around their schedules. So that is why it was a different time than normal. But I hope you guys understand because it was really fun having Trent Haraway on. Um, Jake, anything else you're looking forward to next week with uh, with spring camp? No, um, I'm excited to see the overall vibe around um, the practices. Um, also excited to see a lot of familiar faces back on campus, you know, between Gundy, Devan, Bray, Keith Hayward, um, a guy like Tristan Jebbia too, even. Um, excited to see the um, Trent Bray's culture that he's installed in such a short time. Um, you know, the vibes around the program have been promising, and I think with what looks like an relatively easy schedule, it could be a fun year of Oregon State football and excited. The vibes to- are definitely – it's. It's going to be a lot yeah. more energy around practice. Yeah, I mean, I think Trent is such an intense guy. Keith Hayward's the same way. I haven't really seen Gundy or been around him enough to know his coaching style, but um, I think intensity-wise, comparing Trent Bray to Jonathan Smith, it's, you know, I mean. It's not. <laughs> there's a reason the defensive side of the ball was has been – more locked in under Bray than the offensive side was when Smith. Well, was you know what's and, and you know you last year was kind of your first was your first spring camp, but <laughs> you know it's interesting when you watch Trent when he got the job as defensive coordinator like two years ago. 21. What's interesting is that most defensive coordinators just stick to their side. That Trent would come out like he would sometimes beat some of the players out, and then as yeah, he's I mean, stretching, Trent was one the first one. Yeah, out. and he's out talking to the offensive guys, the defensive yeah. guys, shaking hands. Um, talking to, I, I mean, mean yeah. he made it a point to get to know everybody. Yeah, um, it's not very often a defensive coordinator at a power five, a top 25 power five programs, you know, chirping it up with a walk on tight end or, in, yeah, or something yeah. like that. It's it's a pretty rare sight. Um, you know, he's a, a guy who loves, loves Corvallis, loves Oregon State. Um, they're gonna play excited. this chip on the shoulder. Um, uh, all yeah, of them. I, I think this team is gonna come out with a, I mean, they feel like they've got something to prove, you know, that they feel like. Their old coach didn't really believe in them. Um, they're going to come out, or and they really don't feel like anyone outside of Beaver Nation believes in them, yeah. really, to be honest. I mean, if you look at the whole conference conference realignment landscape and all of that, Oregon State's been left left behind. The coach left. You know, the the four star quarterback left. I think all these players are going to are going to come out, be angry, and ready to show the uh, the West Coast and the country what they've got. Yeah, and, and you, you know, being a student down at Oregon State, you have an opportunity to be around these players in class and um, just around campus and off campus. Yeah, what is the kind of the general, from the guys you talk to, What what is their general feeling? I mean, they're angry and excited. I mean, they feel, like I said, they feel like they felt betrayed almost when the whole late November stuff transpired and they're angry. They're excited to, you know, kind of show the previous coaching staff what they left, and and they all love Trent Bray too. They loved this, and they love 
this staff. So, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to, I mean, because these guys are, are right there with them. You know, they yeah, all. I mean, the, the one thing every recruit I've talked to has said is like the, the coaches and the people in the building, they all played at Oregon state. And it yeah. says something if they stay at Oregon state. I mean, Trent played, Gundy played, Devan played, Keith played. Um, and even guys like, um, Cooper and Tuyakie, like they coached at Oregon State too. Jamie Christensen, he coached Oregon State. It's a place that people want to come back to. And I feel like in college sports, you really don't see that a lot. Like I wouldn't wouldn't really want to go back to Seattle, but yeah. a small a small college town, I'd love to go back to Corvallis. So um, yeah, and that's something you know. When I spoke with Gundy a couple of weeks ago, yeah, know, he said he goes, you know, it's we love this place, and you know, some it, it needed help, and you know some people run from that challenge and yeah. others have run toward it and, and want to make I mean, it. In my opinion, true leaders of men step up in times where things are hard. unpredictable and shaky. And you see true leaders of men like Trent Bray step up. And then you see people run off to greener pastures like Jonathan Smith. And it's really just shows you, you know, people's true colors and, I don't know. It's, that could be a whole story. other podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I've got a whole strong opinion on this whole thing, but <laughs> I probably shouldn't let my feelings get. Yeah. I, I don't think you're alone. If, if, <laughs> yeah. Even my own mother, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, the stuff my grandpa has said is like, wow. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, you know, Oregon State, I, I think I said this in a tweet a while ago about something else kind of unrelated, but just. Oregon State might not be huge as far as the number of fans, like the fan base being one of the largest, but they're pretty mighty. And, yeah. Uh, they aren't going down without a fight. So, um, well, gosh, we were able to uh, get this podcast in. I was so excited that we were able to bring on Trent Carraway. Yes. Um, Jake Big and I will be back. That. Yeah, that I mean, that's super fun. We hope to have additional guests going forward. Uh, spring camp does start next week. So Jake and I will be back probably. We might give it a full week. Monday the, we come back. Monday the 10th? Uh, the 10th, yeah. 11th, 11th. 11th, yeah. So we'll, we'll let's let three go, three practices go out so we have something that we can really talk about. Three practices. We, and practice we'll try to go back to a normal time, a normal late afternoon time, unless, like I said, if if we're able to, to pull a guest, we are going to go with what works for the guest because um, I think that adds a lot to, to the show. And I think our fans want to want to see those guys instead of seeing Jake and I talk the whole time. But I'm J or I'm Angie Machado. He's Jake Hedberg. Again, we're part of beaverblitz.com. We'll be back next time for another episode of the Damn Podcast. Mm -hmm.